0: I'm going to pray for Graham as he comes up and uh, brings the word now. Father, thank you for Graham. May you anoint him with your spirit now. May uh, his words be your words. Give us hearts and minds to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. There we go. Right, can you hear me? What? Pardon? Hello, good morning. Uh, My name is Graham Ross. I'm one of the regional ministers for the Eastern Baptist Association. And because we work geographically and we have churches each, you're stuck with me, I'm afraid. But you never know, pray hard, the Lord may deliver you. Or you might be stuck with me longer, depending on how uh, you feel led to pray. It's really lovely to be here. It's been a, a year or two since I've been here. Since that covid thing got in the way and it's lovely to be meeting together again isn't it and it's great to be here um do have a look on our eastern baptist association website and see what's going on the best way to stay in touch if you're interested in what's happening in the baptist uh world across east anglia is to get, keep in touch with our facebook group or facebook page uh, and you can find that uh, on facebook funnily enough so uh do check that out uh the week after next we designated as a week of prayer so Baptist churches across East Anglia are praying and on the EBA website if you go on there and scroll down to the bottom uh, there's a link there to some resources so there's some daily resources for prayer uh, and there's a YouTube video for each day which is just like a short two or three minute um, thought for the day that we've made so do check that out you're welcome to use them in your church and home groups and such things and they're also designed for personal use as well so do have a look at those we're praying in churches across the association uh, 15 different locations uh, and the nearest one to here is Bures on the Wednesday night it'd be lovely if any of you feel led or encouraged uh, like you'd like to do that It'd be lovely to see you there on the Wednesday evening and all the dates and the times are, are on that web page right let me see if I can make this work here we go I obviously not turned it on that way there's a bit of a, a message forming here isn't there always remember to turn things on so today's message uh starts with a rabbit and a carrot. That's not something you probably hear every Sunday at Headingham Baptist <laughs> Church, but this is where it began. Uh, the rabbit is my son. He's not a rabbit, obviously, uh, but he was dressed as a rabbit. Uh, this was his 18th birthday, which is several years ago now. Uh, and I was just reflecting on the fact that uh, my my third uh, daughter is 18 next year. And Amy, uh, who's here with me today, uh, is still only 13. So I've got a few years to go till they're all over 18. But it made me feel a little bit... Older than I used to, just for a moment. And I know I look stunningly young, and I get that. That's okay. But this was on his 18th birthday, and uh, David decided what he was going to do was have a fancy dress party. And you can't fathom teenagers, can you? Do you know what I mean? I'm going to say, we're not recording this, are we? I know you are, but he won't listen. He'll be okay. You can't fathom them. You can't understand them, can you? They want to do really cool and trendy things, don't they? So you do really cool and trendy things. And they're like, oh, I wish I could do a fancy dress party. So, well. What's that all about? So anyway, uh, cunning plan, fancy dress party. Be the one holding the camera, and then you don't have to faff about with all the silliness. So what we did, we put up one of these. This is an expensive photo booth which consisted of an old photo frame and a rack of fancy dress costumes that we bought at various charity shops, no expense spared. And uh, what we then did is we said to people in the evening, uh, if it, they come in fancy dress, but try something else on, pause in the, stand in the frame and act naturally. And when I was editing these pictures, um, I was really struck by how natural this, this is. And it just looks weird, doesn't it? But when you think about it, if you're a carrot... You know, we've heard about the fox and the um chicken, haven't we? But if you're a carrot and a rabbit, a giant rabbit, although the carrot looks taller than the rabbit, which I've never thought about. But anyway, a rabbit with those teeth, those creepy teeth. This is a children's costume where you wear it and you go, hello, children. And it just looks terrifying to me. But if this rabbit is coming towards you, what are you going to do? Ah! And as I sat there editing these pictures, and I was thinking about this and I had a little chuckle. And as is so often in my life, God speaks to me in the ordinary. I find God is at work in the everyday. And when we walk around, He's trying to tell us all sorts of things. But we're so busy living our lives. And in this moment, I began to think about fear. I began to think about the things that we're afraid of. Perhaps it's heights. For me, in fact, I've just got to go past that. I can't cope with it. Um, if my sister was here, she'd be like, Spider! <laughs> I don't have a problem with spiders, but I know other people do. And it's just not. And I don't care who you are. You might say you're not afraid of spiders, but if that thing suddenly dropped on your head there, uh, as it did with poor Ron, uh, then you'd be in trouble. Perhaps you're afraid of someone feeding you to a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And... um, this is this is Amy who's here today. Don't tell her I showed you this picture. It's quite a relief she's gone out there because uh, she never goes out. She always listens to me. Uh, so someone's obviously your your group leader is obviously very coercive, or uh, I don't don't know what, or they've pro- promised us sweets. Who knows how that works? And this was many many years ago when Amy was younger, and I said, let's pose for this picture, and I'm going to uh, hold you next to this thing, and we'll take a picture, and just go like like the carrot, really. The, the the rabbit and the carrot and uh, and as and she was it has to be really funny and as we got closer and she's closer to these teeth and obviously she knows it's not real but she got closer and all of a sudden she's like oh, I don't think I want to do this I don't think I want to do this I was like no we are going to have the picture good caring dad so we took the picture and in life often we feel like this don't we help I just I just don't know what to do and I've got to be honest I've had a fortnight like I've I've never had. I've just had a terrible fortnight for all sorts of reasons. I'm not going to go into. Please feel free not to ask me at the end. I won't tell you, and it's not because it's not because I don't. You know, I don't know you very well. It's just you know when when traumatic things happen, it's just you just don't want to keep talking about it. And I I felt like this quite a lot over the past few weeks. What am I going to do? We've had some real signs of encouragement and hope, and that's what I would say to you. Don't ask me about it, but do pray about it. I'd appreciate that. And um, I've talked to people um, since Thursday, was it, when the Queen died, and some people are like, this is the end of the world. I don't know how I'm going to go. I'm distraught. I'm dejected. And I talked to someone the other day who said, I can't believe I couldn't watch the football at the weekend. What's that all about? And that's the world we live in, isn't it? And probably, if we canvass views here today, we've had some lovely prayers for the Queen, and probably there's other people here saying, I don't understand what it's all about. What? I don't get it. But we, we unite in our grief that someone has died. Uh, a family has lost a loved one. Someone who meant so much to so many people. And so some of us are like, help, the queen has died. Some of us are like, help, family circumstances. All of us can relate to these moments where it's like, help, what is going on? And so we come back to our reading from John chapter 4. Jesus says to his disciples, we're going on a boat trip going on a boat trip so here's a question for you would you go on a boat trip with jesus what is the matter with you that's all i'm going to say do you read the bible here (laughs) seriously what happens when jesus gets in a boat with his disciples in the in the gospels there are storms almost every time would you, if Jesus walked into this room now physically? We know he won't because he's sat by his father in heaven. And one day when he returns, he'll take us to be with him. Praise the Lord! Can't wait. There won't be boats involved. It will be safe. <laughs> if he walked in here now and said, "Do you want to go on a boat trip?" Do you know, I would have to think about it. And I'm sorry if that sounds terrible. You're like know, lack of faith. Oh, heresy! Burn him! Stone him! I, I would go with him, no question. But I would be hesitant. And I think that's okay, because when Jesus says we're going on a boat trip, often in the Gospels there were storms involved. Who wants to go on a boat in a storm? No, none of us. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying disobey Jesus because he's the Lord. I'm trying to inject some reality into our faith, and for many of us that will be there already. But often we approach the Gospels like, well, that's a nice story, isn't it? And actually, when we think of the reality that went on and those poor disciples, and you meet people sometimes who say, I wish I'd been one of Jesus' disciples. And again, there's a part of me that really wishes I had been, and a part of me that's quite glad I wasn't. Because they were just like so confused and like, what is going on now? And there's 5,000 men and women and children. And I think there was a fox and a chicken, but I'm not sure. And Jesus says to his disciples, well, you feed them. Can you imagine? What? I mean, I mean, if Jesus said to you, you feed all the people in this room, you'd be like, oh, panic. Some of you would be like, well, I can manage that. Some, I say some. But all these crowd of people and you're looking at them. And Jesus is waiting for the disciples to turn around and say, we can't. That is be- That's the right answer. And so much of what is in the Gospels with the disciples is designed for the disciples to turn around to Jesus and say, isn't that your department? And in a nutshell, that's what I'm talking about this morning. So if you want to doze off for the next 20 minutes, you're very welcome. Just remember that and you'll be all right in the end. The disciples knew about boats. Some of them were fishermen. They were boat experts. They knew exactly what they were doing. And they took Jesus in the boat. And, and in Mark's gospel, it says they took him in the boat. And it's a bit like taking your kind of, actually, I don't need that yet. It's a bit like taking your mum or your grandma or your aunt, dear Auntie Doris or, you know, whoever it is. And you're taking them in and, you, and you're all right. Come on, let me, let me help you. I walked in a, uh, I was on holiday in Scotland recently with my dad. And he took me to um, where he used to play as a boy. Uh, and it was beautiful, and he said, and he was looking at this little, little waterfall, and it was a trickle of water, really, and he said, we used to run behind there, and jump across, and I'm looking at it, thinking, I'll blow that, I'm not trying that, uh, and Amy was with me, and I usually, I just said, go on, Amy, you try that, and I thought, I don't want her to try that, I'm a great risk taker, but don't do that, <laughs> don't do that, and, uh, but my dad's in his late 70s now, and I'm, I'm kind of like, as we're walking down these steps, that he used to run down, I'm like, just, let me let me help you. Different stage of life. I'm looking after you. The dad that raised me and cared for me. The dad picked me up when I was crying. I'm now let, let me help. He's heading in that direction. It's sad. Very sad. And this is almost the relationship between the disciples and Jesus changes the moment they get in the boat. They move from dazed and confused to praise the Lord. We know boats. We don't know how to feed 5,000 people, but we do boats. This is brilliant. Jesus, sit over there. We're sorting the boat out. Sit in the corner. It's under control. And they raise the sail and the cap sail and the mansail sail and the other sails. And they sort out their port from their starboard and all that sort of sailorish talk. And they go into the storm. And it doesn't go well. And it struck me that do we need to surrender control to Jesus, even in our areas of expertise? And there come moments like my past fortnight when I'm crying out to Jesus saying, I can't, this is beyond me, Jesus, completely beyond me. And there come other moments where we're asked to do something. And like, you know, I I could do, I was at church recently and the speaker didn't turn up. And they said, What are we going to do? I said, I'll do it. You know, I've been doing this 5,000 years. It feels like this sometimes. I can get up and preach. You know, I can get up and share something. It's not that it's easy for me. But, but for some of you, if we asked you to do that, you'd be like, oh, panic. You know, we have different areas of expertise, don't we? But the danger for someone like me is because I can get up and just talk and share a thought from the Bible, and it's quite interesting. Well, I think it's interesting. to hear the jury's out on what you feel. Um, it doesn't mean God is in it. And the danger with us doing things we're good at is we can leave Jesus in the corner. And one of the biggest dangers for churches and diaconates, and I'm certainly not pointing the finger at you lot, this is everybody, is that we do church, we know church, and we're good at church. And other times when Jesus is asleep in the corner, but we're merrily getting on with what we do because we're good at church? And you are, from what I say, you're very good at church. Now, certainly I'm not criticising, and I hope I think they're smiling at me. It's okay. Uh, I, and, and I find that really challenging for me as a minister. There are times when I'm doing things, and I think, well, but it's God in it. Where, where's God's guidance? Is Jesus asleep in the corner? I'm really struck in this passage. Jesus leads them into the storm, and we thought about that. The disciples were overwhelmed while Jesus was asleep. And... I find this so upsetting and encouraging at the same time. Jesus is asleep in the corner. And let's face it, no one should put Jesus in the corner. But Jesus is asleep. They're in like, panic, panic, don't panic, Mr. Mannering, and all this sort of stuff. And what do they do? They try to fix it. Fix it. Jesus is asleep in the corner, but we're running around trying to fix it. We can deal with it. We're like Bob the Builder. We can fix it. Jesus is asleep. It encourages me, because sometimes I do that too. And it encourages me that at the end of all this, Jesus doesn't sack them and start again. You know, Jesus is patient with us and loving with us. I don't know about you, but sometimes, do you remember those phone calls you used to get about PPI? Were you missold PPI? And now it's turning. I keep getting things for now for uh, diesel. Did you own a diesel car between this and this? And uh, were you missold something? And I think many of us have been missold Christianity. I know when I became a Christian, it was kind of follow Jesus and everything will be wonderful. It'll be like sitting on a beach, sipping. I have to be careful what I say now. Sipping something that fits with your theology. And um, (laughs) sipping something refreshing. And it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be like sitting in a deck chair and the Lord Jesus will come and serve you. It's going to be one This Christianity thing, the Disney-fied version of Christianity. But then when you read the Gospels, You realize it's actually not like that. Jesus sends his disciples out and he says, take nothing. Now, on the face of it, that's just mean, isn't it? And I'm not saying Jesus is mean. Don't hear me say that. It appears mean. Sending them out, take nothing. We've heard about your school's team this morning and they get no doubt going with all their props and scripts and all that sort of thing. Imagine if the Lord Jesus was to say to you, no, you're not taking that. Take nothing. You're like, Oh, no. Uh, What are we going to do? I'm not suggesting that, incidentally. Take nothing. They go on the boat and there's a storm. Jesus tells them to feed the 5,000. All these things are happening. Christianity should be challenging. But yet often we opt for the disney version of it, the comfortable version of it, that I'll do it if it suits me version of it. Where Jesus calls us to, to share our faith with the people. And you are my witnesses. But we're very reluctant to share our faith with our friends, aren't we? And again, I think it's because we've been missold that too. I was trained that evangelism is a bit like learning a script and firing it at people and then running away. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, it's true. You know, the people who design those sort of courses, they don't mean it like that, but that's what it is. And I'm much more in a place now where I just want to say to the people around me each day, whether they're Christians or not, this is what God has done in my life. I prayed and this is what happened. And, you know, that's what people are really interested in. When you start talking to people about that. When I was sat in a, a coffee shop with a group of friends and uh, one of them started talking about Reiki, which I'd never heard of, which is a kind of form of New Age crystal healing thing. Now I sat there thinking, I'm the minister. I should really be very disapproving of this. And so I, di- I decided to do um, something very clever. I said to the Lord, help. I know I've got to say something, but I don't, do not want to condemn these people as my first statement. It's not, I'm not because I'm afraid to condemn them. That's just not what I want to do. I don't think that's what Jesus did. And, and God gave me really inspiration. And so they finished. And I actually asked, started saying to this lady, well, tell me how that works. How does that work? What difference has it made in your life? You might be quite, oh, I can't believe you did that. I was showing interest in all of And it was interesting in the end that she liked the idea of it, but I hadn't really done anything for her. And at the end of this conversation, I said, that's, that's been really interesting. And it makes me think of how prayer works for me. And I shared with her about prayer, and I shared about some answers to prayer in very similar situations, which I won't go into because I haven't got time. I mirrored some of the situations where God had done things in my life. She was like, that's really good. And do you see what went on there? My gut instinct was to panic and say, no, that's really terrible, stay away. And instead, I offered her the good news of Jesus through a story about prayer. The disciples took Jesus in a boat. Many of us expect to be on a pleasure cruise with Jesus. And there are times when the Lord makes us lie down in green pastures. And aren't they wonderful times? But there are times when he leads us beside still waters. But there are also times where we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We do difficult things with Jesus, never alone. Everything changes when the disciples get in the boat with Jesus. Sometimes life is tough. We thought about the Queen this morning. This is something else she said. It's true that the world has had to confront moments of darkness in this year, but the Gospel of John contains a verse of great hope, often read at Christmas carol services, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it and the disciples are in this storm and it's dark and there's panicking and there's what we're going to do and the light of the world is in the boat but he's asleep do they wake him no they try to cope it was a very british thing to do let me show you these pictures and just let me ask you the question in which of these pictures is the peace is peace found
1: just have a little think about that for a moment Emily, want to suggest one of the pictures where peace is found yep sleep and rest
0: yep anyone else the hills that's uh that's the rest and be thankful it's called, and the reason it was called the Rest and Be Thankful is the British, the British, sorry, wrong, got that wrong. The English soldiers, and this is in Scotland, would have to walk up to the, through this pass. And this was, a, they were at the top, and they could rest and be thankful. So this place is just about 10 miles west of Loch Lomond. Beautiful. And that's Amy again. Look at this. She's the star uh, at the show. So well, we sat there on the bench. the thing I was the most thankful for was we'd driven to the top. And there we are. Anyone else? Peace? Interesting. Now, that picture just speaks stress to me whether I'm in the car by myself or not. I'm really impatient. Uh, Yeah, that's really the context is really important. Let me share some scripture with you. In Philippians, it says, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Which picture is the peace of God found in? Potentially, all of them. Your peace is not dependent on your circumstances when you follow Jesus. I'm going to say that again because this is really important. Your peace is not dependent on your circumstances when you follow Jesus. And this is why Jesus is asleep in the storm. He is completely at peace. Whereas if you're in a storm in a little fishing boat, you're going to panic. He's completely at peace. God is saying to us today, do not worry about anything. And I tell you something, it will take you a lifetime to get that right, and then some. I I grasp and understand this as a concept, and I receive the benefit of this a lot of the time. But there are even times where you go, ah, even though you know it. Instead of worrying, and I love the way God offers a positive alternative. It's a little bit like my story a minute ago. God's not the God of you've done it wrong. You're very naughty. He's the God of, you know, this way would be better. Instead of worrying, pray. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And I love that sense of God, I need you to fix this. But at the same time, you're thanking him for what he's already done. You're regaining perspective. This problem in front of me feels like the end of the world. But actually, last week, God did that for me. Isn't that good to remember that? I'm regaining my perspective. I'm thanking God for all he's done. Then you will experience peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I love that sense of guarding guarding it's like uh, nightclub bouncers not that i would know anything about nightclub bouncers uh but it's like the two runs that any of you are old enough to you, your name's not down you're not coming in you're not getting past me and it's i love the way that god's peace in that world of stress will guard our hearts if we pray to him telling him what we need and thanking him for what we've done So Jesus is in the storm. The disciples are overwhelmed. They say to him, don't you care that we're going to drown? Now, that is the world's worst prayer, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever been in church. Oh, yeah, you have. And someone has said, and the prayers were very helpful today. Thank you. We're going to pray. And I don't come here every week, but I know that there are probably 20, 25% of you, that's a quarter to the rest of us, uh, who pray out loud, or perhaps there's more than that. Uh, It depends. And there are some of us who don't pray out loud. And every time someone says we're going to pray out loud, some of us are like, oh, I can't pray, I'm not good at praying. And if that's you, if you think I've not got the words, I'm completely hopeless, be encouraged that the world's worst prayer was to Jesus. Don't you care? And he answered it. And that should really cheer us up, shouldn't it? Because there are times when you think, I've not got the words. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to persuade God. And God's like, well, I don't, I don't need your words to persuade me. I don't need your advice. It's not like I prayed to God about Ukraine. And he says, oh, Graham, thank you. I'd not thought of that solution. And he fixes it the way I would have done. That's not how prayer works. Prayer is about us pouring out our heart to God. And the world's worst prayer is answered. The world's worst prayer is answered. And isn't that wonderful? God, I remember praying to God once and saying, God, why do you hate me? And God didn't smite me. And, and, and I've, got to, I've got to be honest, that was a really inappropriate prayer. I knew God didn't hate me, but in that moment, it just felt that way. And as I began to pour out that pain and give it to God, God, why do you hate me? I was chopping wood at the time. Chopping was really good if you're stressed why why and you get the angst out you get the anger out and as you pour that out you make space for something else and then God begins to pour in his peace and his love and his joy what are we looking to when things go wrong what do we turn to when we're stressed and where is God on that list of things Jesus led his disciples into the storm. He never left them in the storm. But he was remaining in the corner until they woke him up. And nobody should put Jesus in the corner. We should constantly be saying to Jesus, Jesus, be the center, be the one we're looking to. And when Jesus says, when you're gathered, when two or three are gathered, I'm in the midst, Jesus isn't saying, well, do you know, there's three of you, I'll turn up. That's not what he's saying at all. Because he's with us always. He's saying when there are two or three of you talking to each other, just remember you can't talk to each other except through me. He's in the middle. He's the focus. He's the one we're talking to. So let's think about this picture then: the calming of the storm.
1: Just think about a moment about who you relate to. Who do you
0: relate? yeah this sound effects four d experience, yeah. who do you relate to in the boat at the moment do you do you look at anyone and think do you know that's me. Anybody who would like to say anything briefly because I think we need to finish soon. Can you say something or are you breathing? Breathing is good. keep breathing. If you'd like to say something, please do
1: Anyone? Anyone else? Yeah, bailing. I can do it! I can do it. Yeah, anyone else? I can't do That's me, Yeah. Reaching out. Yeah, good. Anyone else?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love this picture, it's beautiful. And it makes me, every time I look at it, I relate to someone different. But do you notice that the closer someone is to Jesus, the more at peace they are? So the guy bailing out water, and this isn't being critical of whoever said that, honestly, because that's me sometimes, is, 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 is turned away. Do, I can do it. I don't, Jesus is in the corner. I can manage. And I find it's really challenging. In this picture, the storm has been stilled, but some people are still trying to fix it very challenging. Are we looking to Jesus? Are we looking to problems? Are we trying to fix things in our own strength? If you give me a thumbs up for a minute, trust me, there is a point to this. Hold your arm's length, close an eye, any eye, hold an eye. If you look at the thumb, you can still see me, right? Sorry about that. If you move your thumb towards your eye, please stop before you poke yourself in the eye and hold it right next to your eye. What can you see now? Your thumb, Now, when you think about it, I'm a bit bigger than your thumb, just a little bit. And in the same way, God is bigger than any problem we'll face, massively bigger. But when we take our problems and hold them close, we block God out. And part of what God is calling us to and what he's reminding us of in this Bible passage is that he's the one who can say, peace, be still. He's the one that can rescue. He's the one that can change everything. But it ain't going to happen while he's asleep in the corner. And it isn't going to happen where we're looking at our problems and not looking at Jesus. I'm not saying we ignore and forget about our problems. We look at them, but we look at them through the lens of Jesus. It's time to look to God again. It's time to bring him out of the corner. It's time to say, lead us, Heavenly Father, lead us. Jesus be the center. God have your way amongst us. And Jesus says to them at the end, the disciples, do you still have no faith? And I don't think he was cross with them. I think he was disappointed. I don't think he was angry with them. I think it was like, you know, you've walked with me all this time and you've seen all this stuff. Did you not think I could do this too? And the disciples were terrified of him. Terrified of them. Who is this man? They were terrified of the storm and they were more terrified of the person who could stop the storm. But he's more powerful than that. Amazing. Who is Jesus? Well, he's like a lion, isn't he? He's like the lion of Judah and he's roaring with power, the mighty, majestic God. But Jesus is also the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I love that sense that when we pray to God, we're praying to the God of power, but we're praying to the God of humility who dies to save us. And wants to be involved in our life. The one thing that God is not. Is that God is not a vending machine. And the trouble is when we pray. We come to God to push his buttons. To get what we want. This is what I want God. We're upset that he's not done what we told him yet. We treat God like he's our servant. When he's our king. He loves us. But he wants what's best for us. Not what we feel is best for us. let me finish with a story so this is uh me this is many many years ago uh the amy is in the picture uh, again uh she was very tiny in this picture my goodness look at the size of her please don't tell her i showed you this picture she will be so cross Uh, There's my other daughter summer summer is uh autistic uh she also has brain damage uh she's adopted and her mother uh, drank heavily during pregnancy so she has fetal alcohol syndrome Uh, Living with Summer is very challenging. She can be violent. Um, We have to ring the police sometimes. And that's very difficult as a parent, as you can imagine. And this was many years ago. Uh, This happened at a time not far away from when I said to God, why do you hate me? Um, My wife was really ill at the time. And so I got up one Saturday morning and she was like, I can't. I don't feel well. I said, don't worry, I'll take the kids out. Uh, One of my sons came with me, uh, hence the picture. Otherwise, that would have been really clever, wouldn't it? And uh, this is the Gruffalo Woods uh, near Brentwood, which is excellent. You can go and see the Gruffalo. Tried to talk to him, but he wasn't moving. He was like a statue, funnily enough. And um, we walked along. We had a lovely day. Summer's behavior can be so challenging. And on this day, she was just angelic. Does summer? She's either Disney princess or Incredible Hulk. And there's just no in-between. There's just one or the other. And we'd had this day and we'd walked along and this was us walking back to the car at the end of the day. And as we walked along, she took me by the hand. And it was, it was just such a beautiful moment. I, I still remember it to this day, even though I'm looking at this thinking it must have been, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. Took me by the hand. And if this was a movie... The orchestra would have started, and birds would have come and circled us, and it would have been a beautiful moment. The sun would have come through the clouds. It was just beautiful. She took me by the hand. Um, And it's strange, because she still does this today. She can punch me one minute, and we can be walking through town the next, and she'll take me by the hand. I often think how weird that looks. I'm holding the hand of this 17-year-old girl, plastered in makeup. It really doesn't, it's not a good look for a a uh, middle-aged, youngish man not good and she's but she's taking me by the hand and I'm thinking this person who causes me so much pain and aggression is in this moment for whatever reason taking me by the hand and it reminds me of this moment where she turned to me and she said dad and I said yes and I was waiting for the thanks for bringing me dad dad this has been a brilliant day or or perhaps dad the gruffalo didn't move whatever it might have been and she looked into my eyes She said, Dad, I said, yes. And she said, are there any chocolate biscuits left? <laughs> <laughs> and I was driving home and I was praying. It's good to pray when you drive, especially when your drive is like mine. And I was praying, never close your eyes when you pray and drive, incidentally. But I was praying and I'd, I was driving home and I was complaining. I was instantly flipped out of what a nice day into God, why is my life so miserable? Because my life was tough in this moment. And I can't explain the process of this to you. And I just really felt God say to me, it feels to me, Graham, like you're constantly asking me, is there any chocolate biscuits left? You're coming to me because you want something. Now, I'm, I'm expressing this with a bit of a tone in my voice. I didn't sense that. I didn't feel like God was angry with me. I felt like God was saying, I wish we could be friends. I wish you didn't just t- treat me like this vending machine where you come to me because you want something. I wish... I wish you would take me by the hand and say, I love you, God. Thank you for walking with me in this pain. Instead of worrying and panicking and... What would it look like if I said to God, will you help me? But I also want to thank you because there's really good stuff going on in my life too. I just can't see it because I'm overwhelmed. May we become more like that. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the work you've done in our lives. You know, many of us feel like we're in storms at the moment. Uh, some of us are, feel like we're on the pleasure cruise. Some of us feel in between. And God, I thank you for each of our lives and our circumstances. I thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. God, forgive us when we're focused on chocolate biscuits and whatever it is we need next. Help us to look to you, to bring you out of the corner, to say, Jesus, be the centre. Even in those moments where we think we know what we're doing, may we look to you and trust in you to lead us forwards. Amen.